Hello, it's once again the Saturday DFS special podcast. That means I am Matt Harmon from Yahoo, and I'm joined by TJ Hernandez from 4 for 4. TJ, <laughs> I don't even really know where um, to start this week. Yeah. You know, normally, normally I ask you like a... Um, I, I you know I normally ask you for like a a grand view take <laughs> yeah about the slate I feel like there's really nothing uh great more grand view to say than this slate is going to get weird yeah the grand view is don't start making lineups until um about 20 minutes before kickoff on Sunday yeah seriously take all, like whenever you listen to this remember to bring your grains of salt for one uh and <laughs> yeah. then you save all this information write it in your little notebook and then try to get to it you know, you like you said, yeah. Sunday morning. Get to I, it Sunday I will. Morning. I will say, in all seriousness, even besides all of the um, the COVID concerns and injuries that we have going into the week, it was already setting up for for one of the lightest running back weeks we've seen mm-hmm. all season. And on Yahoo, where it is half PPR scoring, we typically see teams uh, lean towards a three running back build. Th- this might be the first week all season, and I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but just intuitively, where we have an overwhelmingly high number of lineups that use a wide receiver in the flex. So that that does set up a unique situation. Like the flex is one of the easiest ways to be unique if you understand how the week is going to play out. So I, I do think we'll see very few three running back lineups. So if you are playing large field tournaments like the baller, it might be of interest to try to find a way to play three running backs where that's probably not going to be very popular. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll talk some more in-depth running back picks in a second, but you just look at the top of the running back like main slate. Joe Mixon is uh, the highest ranked guy at 31 bucks. I mean, that's absurd. You know, we've seen some guys push 40 several times. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Jonathan Taylor's on the Saturday slate. Nick Chubb, yep. maybe maybe Nick Chubb is on the Saturday slate. Uh, yeah, if that you know, game goes. If that game goes, if he goes, it's a whole it's a whole thing, man. You do, Who knows yeah. what's going to happen? But anyways, the other guys behind Joe Mixon, James Conner, 29 bucks. He's questionable. Uh, Aaron Jones is in a timeshare. He's 27. Then you start to get the Cordero Patterson, Eli Mitchell, um, Daryl Henderson, who's still in COVID as of right now, 26 bucks. Like it is a very, very strange running back landscape. And, you know, again, we'll get to it later. There's no real like slam dunk as of right now. No, like slam dunk value guys either. But again, we'll get to that uh, when we talk running backs. Let's jump right into the quarterback position, though, TJ. And we will get it started with uh, your favorite, my favorite, everybody's favorite quarterback one, Josh Allen. Josh Allen, uh, I mean, the, we, we all know Josh Allen's upside. He became um, just the fourth passer ever last week to go over 300 passing yards and 100 rushing yards in a single game. Uh, so we know that that the uh, the upside is there in this offense. I think the big thing to note this week, besides the fact that he's dealing with the foot injury, but I, I don't see any way he doesn't play with them uh, almost in a, in a need-to-win-out scenario for the playoffs, that just his salary relative to the field is very affordable compared to what we've seen. Josh Allen has been one of those guys that you've talked about that we've seen well over $40 this week. Uh, We have three quarterbacks on the slate with a higher salary than Josh Allen's $34. So he's still relatively uh, high high salary, but it's very rare that we see three quarterbacks with a higher salary. He's $6 less than Kyler Murray, who is the top quarterback on the slate. So relative to Yahoo salary cap, that is a pretty significant difference. Over the last six weeks, uh, the Bills have... Uh, overtaken the Buccaneers as the most pass-heavy team in the league. They are the only team 
throwing at least 70% of the time in neutral game script in that time span. And in that same stretch, Carolina has allowed the 10th most fantasy points per pass attempt. So even if Josh Allen can't run as much as we're used to, the Panthers have allowed very high passing efficiency lately. Yeah, and like you look at that Panthers defense, we've talked about how they go so deep at cornerback at different times yeah. of the season, but you know, injuries have started to started to kind of take their toll there. Uh, and there's just all kinds of situations going on. You know, Stefan go it's dude, the Panthers, I mean, don't even get me started on the Panthers. Yeah, I mean, and and I typically I think it is a, a sneaky way, like we don't need more reasons to find upside with Buffalo, but I, I do like playing offenses against opposing offenses that are struggling just because that means that many more possessions um better field position like the panthers without oh, cmc yeah. they're 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 in this you know they're in this quarterback rotation now they're saying that they're going to be rotating cam and pj walker in so i mean it, it's the the spread is 10 and a half um the real result could be you know it, they bills might win by 30 legitimately they might win by yeah. 30 yeah. and uh you, i think that's a great point like offenses that are truly struggling you know you do get those advantageous field positions i love that uh i mean they can do the whole rotation thing with cam newton if he turns the ball over all they want but like pj walker might know the four minute two minute offense but he stinks so like what are we right. really doing here yeah that's a tough yeah. scene there for the carolina panthers I don't want this podcast to go an hour and a half. I could probably talk about how bad the Panthers are for an hour and a half. So uh, let's move on to a good quarterback, Matthew Stafford, $32, coming off a really good game against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, obviously, a lot of COVID situations with the L.A. Rams. Odell Beckham, like, is there a chance he could get – is he could he he get active for this game? It's probably getting pretty dicey at this point. Um, Either way – I really like the way Stafford uh, played last time. We saw him um, overall, too. This just should be a pretty exciting game for fantasy. You know, Beckham or not, like Van Jefferson's another guy I think is a good is a good player. You know, him and Odell are the only two receivers since week 12 that have caught three touchdowns. So, like, this, these guys, they have enough depth here to overcome that loss. Yeah, and this game actually doesn't have the highest over-under, and there are quite a few teams with a higher implied point total than the Rams, but uh, especially if Odell is out with Stafford, uh, with with us getting very concentrated targets between Cooper Cup and Van Jefferson if Odell is out, and just this way people are expecting this game flow to go, uh, this is just a very stackable game with Stafford. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had a, a good game against Seahawks earlier in the season, and we should note, I mean, the, the Odell thing, just before we started recording this on Thursday, we did get note that like nfl is snap changing some of their protocols to to where basically if you're if you're asymptomatic with a negative one negative test i I believe if i understand it correctly they're gonna be able to play so we we might get right right so so we might get some surprises on the other side where players through these first 14 weeks that haven't been able to play with the same status they they might be able to to be active translation Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yeah. the wilderness. I mean, yeah. <laughs> good good luck out there. Um, and, I, you know, you said it was a tough uh, running back week at the top. I picked Matt Stafford. And I'm, like, not that jazzed about it. But, dude, like, two Eagles quarterbacks are in the 30-plus dollar range. Like, what are what's going on? I mean, it's a tough week at the top for quarterbacks, too. I mean, Jalen Hurts and or Gardner Mitchell would be kind of appealing. But, like, yeah. you, who knows what's going to happen there? And, like, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it as we go. But, yeah, it's a tough week. At, it's just a tough week, period. But even uh, on the main slate for Yahoo this week, it is additionally a tough week for running back, just like it is a quarterback. But um, a couple of guys sub 30 bucks here. Uh, let's talk Tua first, and then we'll go to Jimmy G. Yeah, and, and, and Tua is a guy that is near the top of 4 for four rankings because of, of what you said on the main slate. Um 
no Bucks, no Chiefs, no Chargers. They're all off the main slate. So Tua against the Jets in the spot where Miami is projected for uh, a relatively high on this slate, 25.25 implied points. The Jets are last in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. They've allowed the uh, the most fantasy points per pass attempt over the last six weeks. Again, going back to those defenses that are allowing very high efficiency. And the gap between them and the field is uh, very high, almost 10% more fantasy points per pass attempt than any other team. And even though Tua's numbers, um, they, they haven't been fantastic, and he is going to be without Jalen Waddle. Miami has thrown at, at a relatively high rate all season, sixth highest rate over the last six weeks. I keep referencing that last six weeks, just trying to keep the, the mm-hmm. data relevant. But even if we go back over the season, Miami has been, um, they, they have thrown relatively high rate. And with Devontae Parker back, even though obviously losing Waddle isn't a good thing, I think Parker and Gusecki make good enough of a one-two punch against this Jets secondary to be very formidable. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Parker is not Jalen Waddle. He's not as like great of a fit with uh with Tua and with the uh this RPO heavy offense, but it keeps the wide receiver core somewhat legitimate, you know, with him and Burt Wilson. Uh like if they had yeah. gone from Jalen Waddle, Burt Wilson, and you know, God knows who. Uh, then it would have been a tough scene uh, it, right. like without Jalen Waddle there. So I think having Parker back is huge for that reason. Jimmy G at 29 bucks. I'm not like in love with playing yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo, but like, again, not a lot of options here. The Falcons, obviously not a good defense. Uh, and this is also an, a way to get some kind of exposure to the San Francisco 49ers pass catchers. George Kittle is 33 bucks this week. They took a huge stand bumping George Kittle like all like isn't yeah. this a $10 increase from what we saw last week for George yeah, Kittle? I think so. I think yeah. so cuz he he what we were mentioning him as like not at the I think he was the tight end one but like nowhere near where we would expect the tight end one to be or something like Correct. that. Correct. Yeah, I think our exact words like we've seen Travis Kelsey be at like 32 bucks like George right. Kittle should be up there. Uh Yahoo pricing heard that it was like actually we're going to add $1 more just for compl- <laughs> for a complaint charge. Yeah. Uh so I get it. <laughs> uh but this is a way to get exposure to uh to George Kittle's monster upside to Debo Samuel potentially like I mean Samuel's receiving workload has like completely dropped off. What does he have seven yeah. targets in his last three games played? But like, you know, obviously uh, the God Brandon Ayuk is playing extremely well too. Uh, game winner. Brandon Ayuk actually is what we call him around this house now. Uh, but anyway, so it's just a good exposure to the offense without actually having to try to play like the guessing game of, of the pass catchers. And um, I do think this game could be interesting from a fantasy angle, but you know, don't love Jimmy G, but you know, he's got like a pretty good 18, 20 point, like kind of solid projection there. Yeah, and attacking the Falcons is something that we have liked doing with uh, passing games. And like, you know, Debo Samuel, we hope the jet sweep is uh, is in front of Jimmy G and he tosses it forward yeah. instead of handing it backwards, like that type of thing. You that would the, be nice. You get you get the cheap touchdown. But, I mean, we, we mentioned Jimmy G, I think it was in week 9 or 10, as, as a player that just has this fantastic schedule coming up. And he's been decent in that stretch. He has uh, multiple passing touchdowns in uh, five of his last six games and just barely missed. 300 yards in uh, each of his last two games, 299 against Seattle and 296 um, against Cincinnati. So it's not like there is an upside there, especially against Atlanta. Like 303 is very much in the question for Jimmy this week. Definitely. I mean, his two best games uh, over the last like month and a half have been 
Cincinnati, like you mentioned, Arizona, those were like his 20-point games. The only game where he really shot north of that was the Bears game where he rushed in two touchdowns. You're not expecting that normally. But um, again, yeah, I think Jimmy G, pretty solid play here. All right, let's move on to running backs. Oh, actually, before we do running backs, if there was one like, and you don't have, this is not accountable to yourself because it's not on the outline. (laughs) Like if there's one rando quarterback that we haven't talked about here that could like potentially win somebody a tournament that has some like upside that people might not expect just because it's a tough quarterback week. Who do you think it would be? Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers definitely isn't random, right? Yes, but right. He, he is, he's $32. And I think people are just going to look at Stafford, Josh Allen, kind of in that same salary range mm-hmm. or save salary, like all the way down to Tua. So Rodgers definitely isn't random, but I think he gets lost in the shuffle a lot this week. I think just the Packers passing game is a tremendous tournament target because Devontae is going to be slightly overshadowed by Cooper Cup. Like Devontae is going to be popular, but then the big one for me, MVS is going to be way overshadowed oh, by yeah. the other cheap receivers. Everybody's going to play Gabe Davis, Devontae Parker, um, even maybe even like Swaim instead. And and I mm-hmm. think MVS just gets way overlooked. So if you're playing like Rodgers with MVS and Devontae, I think that's a, a fantastic tournament lineup. Yeah, and like that game doesn't jump out from a total perspective. Uh, it's actually gone down, of course, because mostly because mm-hmm. of the Lamar question. And that's another thing we could talk. We'll talk about. I have Devontae Adams on the outline and wide receivers. So we can mm-hmm. talk about that later. But I do love your MVS point. He's a guy that people were probably playing, you know, a lot in the single game slate last week and doesn't work out. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring yeah. it back uh, this week. All the same peripherals are still there. All right, let's move on to the running backs here, starting with. James Robinson, uh, the Urban Meyerless James Robinson. Talk about another hour and a half long podcast we could have. Oh my god! Um, but anyways, are you assuming this is like a James Robinson redemption week? Yeah, I mean, this was early in the week when four for four projections first came out. Robinson was already popping in the values. This was right before the Urban Meyer news, and and I was going to be very resistant to the idea. Urban Meyer uh, gets fired, uh, maybe. Coincidentally, maybe not coincidentally, Jacksonville is favored for the first time since week one. Also, I don't think that's not a coincidence. Also also happened to be against this Houston team. And I mean, just the reason I was going to be resistant to Robinson is because I just didn't think that he automatically, you know, gets a, a big touch share just because they are favorites. Again, this was before Urban Meyer was fired. But then when I start dissecting the slate, seeing how thin the running back field is like he's kind of the best play on the slate besides maybe one other running back. Like there just isn't a guy like Joe Mixon has the mm-hmm. the touch share and, and, and Najee Harris has a touch share, um, but they're very expensive. So with them favored against Houston, um, who is a bottom 10 defense in terms of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, yeah, I, I do think it is uh, Robinson redemption week. I, I, I think that it's not a coincidence that Urban Meyer had one of his guys in Carlos Hyde stealing some of the touches from Robinson. Teams have been running at the fourth highest rate in neutral game script since week nine against Houston. So I, I, I think they uh, they get back to J-Rob, their best player. He seems like a, a player that not just like fans, and this is kind of narrative street, but like the team rallies around. It mm-hmm. seems like they want him to be on the field. A lot of couple guys have remarked that that he is, you know, one of their best offensive players. A couple guys. Um, you mean the yeah. guy, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I like Robinson to bounce back, especially 22 bucks. Um, he's He's very affordable. Definitely. Absolutely love that call. Um, let's go, James Robinson. I also like Sony Michelle at 19 bucks. Like him more if Daryl Henderson, for whatever reason, doesn't get activated. Um, but even so, like, I kind of assume that, listen, you know, I kind of assume that we can look at this uh, this team right now 
is just better with Sony Michelle. I think he mm-hmm. gives them that like punching rhythm runner that Daryl Henderson does not. Uh, you know, at 19 bucks, I think on a very weird running back slate, he still gives you a lot of value, even if it's not quite from a salary perspective or a workload perspective projection, at least because Daryl Henderson has missed the last couple of games. It's not quite as clean, but I still think at 19 bucks, Sony Michelle is kind of worth it. Yeah. And even though we, we are going to talk quite a bit about the Rams past game, you already mentioned Matthew Stafford and, and they are just going to throw it to, to their guys and they should be fine against Seahawks. Seahawks do still profile as a uh, run funnel defense. They rank 31st in schedule adjusted points um, allowed to the position and, even though I think it can be dangerous to get caught up in, in coach speak sometimes. It's very rare when a player gets injured and then the, the coaching staff um, really talks up the running, the, the backup like we've seen with Michelle. Yeah. Like they've just really been um, the adamant that Michelle is a very good player and deserves playing time. So even if, if Henderson is activated, uh, I think Henderson is likely on the wrong side of the timeshare. You would assume, and uh, Michelle has only scored one touchdown the last two weeks, but he's second rushing yards. So there's some yardage to touchdown relationship there that should do a little flipping for Sony Michelle. Um, all right, let's move on to some uh, more value play running backs, uh, and let's have the Rashad Penny conversation. Yeah, I mean, really, after these two guys, if you aren't paying up, it really becomes a a crapshoot. Um, but on the other side of the the Rams, I mean, Rashad Penny down at fifteen dollars. He he saw seventeen touches last week. The concern is that he only played fifty seven percent of the snaps. Uh, the real intrigue of Penny here is that there are so many popular players in this game. Like if if Henderson is out, Cup and Michelle can. Uh, and and Robinson too, like they can be top one or two most popular players at their position this week. So Penny is just a huge leverage play off of all of them, especially if uh, the Seahawks can keep this close. We currently have Penny projected as a top three value uh, at four for four, and teams have run at a top ten rate against the Rams since week nine. So uh, Seattle, if Pete Carroll wants to uh, Pete Carroll it, he this is a team that teams have uh, done that against. And look, I mean, I think that. They've said he deserves a chance to to start. He deserves a chance to be the guy. Yeah. Alex Collins went on the COVID list uh, Thursday yes. morning. So it just all kind of lines up for Rashad Penny to break our hearts one more time. But uh, in the meantime, <laughs> at 15 bucks, it is a very attractive uh, play. I, I agree that, you know, at this point, he is an explosive runner, too. Like, I think... Obviously, Houston stinks, but he looked good last week. He was second in breakaway yards last week to Dal- only to Dalvin Cook, who was a monster on Thursday night. So, um, yeah, I think yes. pretty good for Rashad Penny. San Diego State, great, Rashad Penny, my alma mater. So that always is, that for, is right. Always rooting for Penny. There we go. All right, let's figure this out, Rashad Penny. Come on, give me a break. Okay, A.J. Dillon at 16 bucks. Um, the biggest thing here for me is the salary discrepancy between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I get it. Uh, Aaron Jones, obviously, you know, in fantasy last week, played extremely well. Two touchdowns. That was great. Um, But the workload difference was not was was not that much. Not that much between these two. Not that Aaron Jones saw five carries last week. If Aaron Aaron Jones doesn't score like we're talking about, A.J. Dillon is maybe the most popular player on the slate. Exactly. Um, exactly. Dylan doubled him up in touches. So I mean, if if you t- if those touchdowns flip, if that touchdown goes to Dylan instead, like we're talking about, Aaron Jones is unusable. I think. 
Yeah, we're having a whole different conversations. Yeah. We're having a whole different conversation. Six snaps, five uh, five attempts for uh, Aaron Jones. The touchdown, like you mentioned, some big runs uh, were there, seven yards per attempt. You know, from a target perspective, yeah, Aaron Jones gets three targets, catches three of them, but uh, A.J. Dillon ran more routes in this game, and we know he has uh, an extremely good uh, receiving workload so far this year. So, And they went to A.J. Dillon in clock-killing mode, which I think they yeah. were using – these guys optimally i think actually from like a season-long perspective you can feel comfortable playing both of these guys i know people will be mildly burned off aj Dillon last week but um because of the touchdowns it went to aaron jones in prime time but like if you have aj Dillon, i think you should probably consider playing aj Dillon in your season-long league who, who the hell do you have better at this point uh and then aaron jones uh is also you know even though we're concerned about him from a 27 buck perspective here in daily fantasy <laughs> I think you can play Aaron Jones your season long league. Who the hell do you have better than Aaron Jones in your season long league at this point? Um, yeah, at this point, not not much. Not much. Uh, but anyways, like, and you would assume too, Green Bay is a five and a half point favorite in Baltimore. I know road favorites a little dicey, whatever, but still, they should be in clock killing mode at some point in this game too. AJ Dillon, I think, gets in the box uh, this week. I think he scores a touchdown. I mean, I I don't know what what your take on this, but I mean, even if, if Lamar plays, he's on a hobbled ankle. If he doesn't play, I mean, who knows how bad this Baltimore defense can, uh, offense can be. I, I know Huntley had, you know, a, a decent, uh, a, a winning game, uh, in relief of, of Lamar a few weeks ago, but, uh, this is a line that hasn't done been protecting Lamar very well. And, uh, it can get really ugly with Huntley back there. So, they can be in clock killing mode even earlier than expected if Lamar yeah. can't go. Yeah, this team, it's about it's about time to call it quits, Ravens. I know you're not. I know they're not the uh, they're not the tanking type of team. Of course, sure. we know that they're going to push it till the end. But like, whew, it's a tough scene there for Baltimore. Yeah. All right, let's move on to wide receivers here, starting with DK Metcalf. TJ, I feel like people are already were going to be on DK Metcalf this mm-hmm. week, at least like uh, sharp people like yourself, uh, one of the very sharpest of the sharp. Uh, sharp people were going to be on DK Metcalf anyways this week, despite the disappointing outlook. But then <sighs> Tyler Lockett goes on the COVID list. That's going to that's gonna be a problem for me this weekend. I'll just say that. <laughs> Tyler Lockett yeah. on the COVID list this week. I think that only makes DK more appealing, of course. Yeah, as as I've mentioned many times on this podcast, I have an article that releases every week on Yahoo that goes over our favorite baller plays and specifically contrarian plays. And I was ready to have DK as one of those contrarian plays, hoping that people would be on the locket after his big game. But with locket out, uh, Metcalf will he turns into the one of the best values, if not the best wide receiver value on the slate at $21, um, but will definitely be among the most popular players. Like maybe only Cooper Cup is more popular this week. Cooper Cup and Devontae, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lockett uh, leaves behind 22% of targets, 43% of air yards since Russell Wilson's return. Like we don't automatically project that straight to Metcalf, but Metcalf should is not should be, is the clear primary pass catcher without Lockett there. Metcalf is actually out targeting Lockett since Russ's return from injury and had a higher touchdown expectation based on four for four air yards model. Obviously Lockett gets there the last couple weeks, especially last week. Uh, but Metcalf obviously can fill that deep ball role. And we know he can be a high volume guy as well. The Rams are 21st in schedule adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Uh, Metcalf should have a monster day with Lockett out. And Russ is looking very much like the Russ that we have grown to love. 
Yeah, Russ looks better. Um, as of right now, Jalen Ramsey hasn't even been taken off the COVID list for mm-hmm. the LA Rams either. Although, like, he's probably not going to see much of DK Metcalf because they've almost exclusively used him as that inside guy. I mean, look at it this way, and this is purely making myself feel better about the Lockett thing because he's in all of my playoff rosters right now. Um, you know, at least this way, TJ, if he doesn't play this week, then uh, I don't have to like have. Tyler Lockett put up one of these like four for 36 type games that happen sometimes (laughs) and like watch all the consistency dorks on Twitter, uh, you know, really run their victory laps off of it while I lose my playoff game. I can just lose my playoff game and he's not even available. So like that works out better for me, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It just makes it easy. You don't have to uh, beat yourself up for the decision. I will say for I mean, we've already mentioned this game a couple of times and I typically don't try to outguess the the Vegas lines. They're usually sharper than us. But I was really surprised that this game this game has such a low total. It's down at forty five now. I mean, yeah. the, the Rams still have down. a, a deep. Mean. Yeah, it's gone down. I mean, obviously, you know, we we do have some uh, some COVID concerns, but like both of the quarterbacks are, are are still there. I know two primary receivers are out, but receivers don't typically move lines as much as some other positions. So this game, I I just think if you take the Vegas numbers off of it, people would say it has obvious shootout potential based on the over-under. I guess you could call it sneaky shootout potential. Let's go with sneaky shootout. Uh, We'll we'll go with that. All right, Uh, Devontae Adams at 32 bucks. We've talked about him a decent bit. Look, the thing for me with Devontae Adams is like he's the third highest salary among receivers coming off, obviously uh, coming off the game from Sunday night. Uh, Cooper Cup deserves to be up there. I'm not, there's there's no way. Uh, although oh, we'll save it, we'll save it, we'll save it uh, for Debo Samuel later on in the in the podcast. Devonte Adams, thirty two bucks. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I I love that. Love this matchup with the Ravens secondary that's extremely banged up and ranks thirty first in explosive pass rate allowed so far this year. I could easily see Devonte Adams going ten, one hundred forty, and two touchdowns in this game. Yeah, the the disparity between I I know Cup is easily the the highest floor and arguably highest ceiling player yeah. on the slate, the, but the disparity between Cup and and Devonte Adams is I mean what a target per game at the most, and I mean th- they're both such a huge part of their offenses. Not to mention Aaron Rodgers has been the QB one in points per game over the last month, like somehow kind of quietly. Like I know he's you know he's he's always in the public eye but he just yeah. isn't being talked about as like that elite fantasy passer like some like the Josh Allens and and Justin Herberts right now uh and, and Kyler Murray so i he's kind of flying under the radar and like Devontae is right there with Cooper Cup they're just they're I, when they're on the same slate i don't ever think there should be a massive disparity at least in unless there's huge gaps in their salary there shouldn't be huge gaps in their roster rates and we're going to have most likely cup is going to be quite a bit more popular than than Devontae Adams maybe by, by five to ten percent at six dollars cheaper Adam six dollars cheaper so uh yeah it's very analogous to what I talked about with Josh Allen relative to the top guys he should never have this much of a gap yeah I mean I think that uh I think that I think that like I can't make a lineup this week without Devonte Adams and like it. Basically, that's how I feel about it. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. Van Jefferson, sixteen bucks. I mentioned him earlier. He is one of your picks here. Uh, again, uh, assuming uh, Odell is not cleared for this game this week with on on the COVID protocol, Van Jefferson down at sixteen. Even uh, since their bye week, after Odell got acclimated to the team, even with Odell active, Jefferson has 
20% target share, 27% of the air yards share in that three-game stretch. And the thing I like about Jefferson as the assumed number two with Odell out, briefly mentioned it when you were talking about Stafford. Stafford threw for 365 yards in this first matchup with Seattle. That's the most Seattle has allowed all year. Very similar makeup without Odell in that first matchup. So uh, they, they can run some very similar things. And Van Jefferson is a player that could get all of his value in one target. We've seen him do it multiple times this year. He is a top two value at wide receiver run four for four. Yeah, I love Van Jefferson this week. Um, I mean, I would like Odell too. He's only uh, he's mm-hmm. seventeen bucks. Obviously, yep. pre MNF adjustment here with the pricing. If Be- yeah. if Beckham was for whatever activated, he would be a good play at that value. But I mean, it just makes Van Jefferson that much better. Um, mm-hmm. He's been running more slot routes too. Like he was kind of exclusively the X receiver of this offense when Robert Woods and mm-hmm. Cooper Cup were the other two guys. Now with Beckham, who is purely a perimeter receiver um they are having van jefferson take more than 50 percent of his snaps from the inside which is a very intriguing fit uh that's actually kind of more akin to his pre-draft profile like which i didn't know that, yeah. that was, I, I didn't assume that was the best fit for him but i think it's good long well and it's it's very deshaun-esque right run those deep yes. uh, routes right up the seam and like kind of what they were hoping they would get when they signed deshaun before the preseason so you know let let that very fast wide receiver split those safeties instead of get on the outside and and i think matt stafford likes that throw so uh, I, I do like that point a lot i i don't think that people are giving van jefferson enough credit for the season that he's having like i think he's gonna be he's a guy drafted a ton this mm-hmm. this year i'm probably like i would try to load up on him in dynasty like before he really erupts like especially if beckham's not back there next year i think he could go pretty ham so really like the player that is van jefferson a guy i'm, I'm less bullish about as a player but uh, i think like it's time to get gabe davis fired up here season high 83 percent of the snaps last week uh manuel sanders He's basically done nothing for a long time and now he's hurt um like i i think it made sense tj for I feel like we've had the Gabe Davis conversation on here. Like we alluded to it last week, right? That he might be um, starting to get interesting here, especially at a depressed salary. And, you know, he's scored a couple of touchdowns. It feels like even when he's been on the field the last few weeks, they've been trying to get him the ball. I I think the Bills were smart to hedge their bets on Gabe Davis to start the year. Mm -hmm. But like, I mean, they've been having old man Manny Sanders as like the vertical receiver of this offense. And like, it's kind of to the like enough of that point. Uh, the season here with Manny Sanders like Gabe Davis can't do everything he's not a perfect player but he can burn baby so like let's get and the the Bills need that the Bills need like a big play uh threat in this offense right now I really love Gabe Davis at at 12 bucks yeah you uh you talked about someone that you drafted a ton in Van Jefferson Davis is a player that that I drafted and I played a lot of deep leagues so I've reluctantly or or maybe uh stubbornly held on to Davis all year so so I'm just I'm in time for the for, consolation bracket yeah, yeah hey 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 I'm just I'm kidding. ready for <laughs> I'm ready for him to pop I mean Manny Sanders his injury uh, happened early in the game last week and with that we saw uh, Gabe Davis play 83% of snaps. It was highest snap share all year. And this goes back to late last season when he got an increased snap share. He was really able to pop in, again, not on a lot of volume, um, but on those big splash plays as you alluded to. Uh, but even with Manny Sanders active, over the last six weeks, Gabe Davis is second in yards per route run among all players uh, with at least 50 routes over the, that six-week span. Also tied for the ninth most red zone targets in that span among wide receivers. So there's there's a, a ton to love about Gabe Davis. You know, I, I was hoping he 
wouldn't be super popular going into this week as we kind of hit the content portion of the week. I'm seeing his name pop up a lot. So if you are building around him, expect him to be quite a popular play with Josh Allen this week. Two things, TJ. You like you, that all those points I think back up kind of what I was saying is that it feels like and the numbers back it up that they're trying to get him the ball even when he is on the field. Cause I think he brings I keep saying that they needed like a play. They need a player like Gabe Davis if Gabe Davis was good. And I don't mean I sound I'm being disrespectful there, Gabe Davis. I realize that. But like, you know what I mean? Like they need a big body. They need Van Jefferson. They need <laughs> they need Van Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Same draft class, I believe, but not Gabe Davis went much, much later. So, like, that's fine. Uh, I'm trying not to be too disrespectful here to Gabe Davis. But number two, um, I will be disrespectful. You, you know, you could have asked me about the Gabe Davis pick before. Like, you know, you have my number. You could have asked me about that in the, in the offseason. I, I just I just wanted I just wanted as many bills as possible. And Josh Allen was going early. So I, I was I was I was uh, sprinkling all three throughout throughout rosters. It was a it. long time ago. What are we talking about redraft for? I, it's a good, it's a good question, man. It's a good question. Uh, good God, I mean, Gabe Davis will probably by the end of the by the end of the week he'll be a top ten ranked receiver. But the way things are going, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, let's talk tight ends, and we're gonna stay in Buffalo here with Dawson Knox. Yeah, I mean, I, I mentioned that Gabe Davis is a player that will probably be very popular by the time uh, Locke comes around on Sunday. So if you're looking for a pivot off of Gabe Davis, uh, very few people are going to want to pay all the way up for twenty to twenty-one dollars when you can get Stephon Diggs for six or so. I don't remember his salary. I think it's twenty-nine, seven or eight dollars more, um, or go all the way down to Davis at twelve dollars. So he is just really a, a great pivot off of those guys. Even though I, I said I you know, love Josh Allen, despite the possible injury, he might be a little limited as a rusher. So that could see a, an uptick just an over, I don't even know if Buffalo can pass more, but you know, Josh Allen's runs turning into some more uh, short passes, which can uh, benefit Dawson Knox six plus targets in three of his last four games and tied for the fourth most red zone targets among tight ends since returning from his injury. So like Gabe Davis, uh, they're using him heavily around the goal line. And obviously we love the bills this week. So stack the bills. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely totally cool with stack of the bills this week and good luck. Maybe trying to run it back with one of these Panthers guys. Um, yeah, sticking with so. some tight ends here. Uh, Mark Andrews looks like he's officially going to take over the tight end mm-hmm. one spot from Travis Kelsey for the first time in forever. Yeah. Mark Andrews, even without Lamar Jackson last week, 11 targets, 11 catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so I don't really care who plays quarterback. Like he, there's a, t- and again, there's a $10 discrepancy now between Mark Andrews and George Kittle. And I get George yeah. Kittle deserves it, but Mark Andrews might deserve it too. Yeah. I mean, uh, so you're, you're on board with Andrews if, if Huntley's in there. I think so. I think yeah. I'm still on board. I mean, yeah. it, it, that might also just depress his roster rate too. And I, I look Definitely at the tight end, will. I look at the tight end landscape and there's really not that much. I'm that jazzed about. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't have a strong read on, on how the offense will, will shake out if Huntley's in there. If I do recall, uh, in, in his limited time, we did see a, a, a slight boost to, uh, targets to Rashad Bateman. But then, again, that's a very small sample size. Uh, four for four does the art. We have a, a model called the breakout receiver model that basically just looks at expected fantasy points, all the metrics combined into one. The only player with more expected fantasy points uh, than Andrews over the last three weeks is Justin Jefferson. Love it. That is pretty good, right? Um, all right. Zach Ertz, your second pick here at 18 bucks. 
And we haven't had a chance to talk about this game, but really the the offense that is most likely expected to run away with the huge game, at least from uh, an implied point total point of view, is the Cardinals projected for 30.25 implied points favored by 13. I mean, the issue is we just don't. DeAndre Hopkins is out. Uh, We don't know if James Conner is going to be healthy. Kyler Murray can be popular on his own, but who do you pair him with? I mean, AJ Green, Christian Kirk, sure, but uh, is any of them going to to dominate targets? Zach Ertz at eighteen dollars is very affordable. He's a top two value on four for four. He's seen five plus targets in four of his last five games, including seven targets last week. And we do see tight end success typically correlates with a positive team game flow. Obviously, Arizona should have that as thirteen point favorite. So if I'm if I'm looking to and as you mentioned, very weak tight end, uh, very weak tight end uh, slate. If you're going to correlate Kyler Murray with somebody, why not make it easy, make it your tight end, and take the guesswork out of that position? Don't don't hate that. Don't hate to take the guesswork part out of it. Yeah, Kyler Murray is very appealing if you can get to him at 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I think there are several lineup builds. Like if you have Rashad Penny, Gabe Davis, and uh, Devontae Parker, like you could potentially yeah. get up to yeah, uh, you can old get Kyler. Him. Yeah, you can get to Kyler Murray uh, and still even have a guy like Devontae Adams or Mark Andrews. And I may or may not just be looking at one of the lineups I built right now as I said <laughs> this. So, like, I mean, it's proof. I'll tell you, it can happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kyle Pitts at 14 bucks. I don't know. what, Whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I know it's been bad, but you kind of have to be – when you – when you're following volume, sometimes it takes a really long time for that volume to hit, yep. right? And he's still getting targets, and it's uh, people are people love writing players off, and yeah. he's he's the primary target. He's still near the top of the league in target share for tight end. Um, obviously, Matt Ryan hasn't done much to support Kyle Pitts, but um, volume begets fantasy points, and eventually, I think it happens. Indeed, it does. At 14 bucks, he's fourth among tight ends and targets. It's gonna happen at some point. It's gonna have. He's only scored one effing touchdown all year. Like he's. It did happen. There was a two week stretch where it did happen, and we thought it was happening, and then it just all fell apart. I mean, it, the worst part about <laughs> it too is like we go from, oh wow, he didn't he didn't have Calvin Ridley, uh, yeah. you know, against against the Jets in that London game, and then he scored. He like has his first blow up game. We get back to America, and he has Calvin Ridley. He has another blow up game. It's like, oh man, and then Calvin Ridley goes away, and then nothing happens. So yeah, like, he he is a um a great example of why whatever side you're on. I mean, because it's been a roller coaster, but the, those mid season victory laps or those four week victory laps, those one week victory laps. Um, wait, wait till the end of the season. Oh, uh, one of that one, one of the or else one, you're going to be deleting some tweets. Yeah, just don't hate. No, don't tweet. There's there's the lesson as it <laughs> always is. Um, one of one jackass on this podcast. Uh, one of one of the two jackasses on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Me and Sully, who's producing it. Uh, one of us said that like you should probably just go ahead and trade Travis Kelsey for Kyle Pitts plus because you probably could have done it in the middle of his like stretch. By the way, I was the jackass. So and no, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, hey, listen, he was he was a polarizing player, obviously, given his uh, his his pedigree plus ADP going into the season, and everyone wanted it to happen a lot. Um, I, I hopefully it still does. There's still a little bit of season left. Yeah, I mean, he's third among tight ends in, in yards. 
So yeah. he just hasn't scored touchdowns, to be honest. I mean, yeah. that really is the thing. So, and at some point, he's probably will go, you know, because math, he'll he'll go on like a three-game touchdown streak here to end the season, one of them being this week at $14. So play him in your uh, little daily fan. I also still want to continue to bet against the 49ers' pass defense. I don't don't think they're yeah, very well manned back point. there. Although Nick Bosa will probably eat Matt Ryan for lunch, but whatever. Um, all right, defense. Let's talk Eagles at 15 bucks. Uh, I mean, this one, there, there isn't much analytics to the pick. Uh, Washington is down over a third of their normal roster right now because of COVID. Or I don't know if they're going to be down come Sunday, but over a third of their roster is on the COVID list. They're up to 21 guys or something like that. So, I mean, I don't – again, who knows? We're recording this on Thursday. Who knows what, ha- what happens with games like like the Browns and, and this Washington game if the NFL just lets these games go off. Um, but as it stands, Eagles should – handle this one very easily like washington is they could legit have like 20 practice squad guys on their active roster this week so they're already bottom 10 in adjusted sack rate allowed it, it could just be it could just be really ugly for washington so i mean whatever you you think about the the situation at hand from from a fantasy perspective um you know i guess i guess we have to take advantage of it if you're looking for a defense that isn't like a COVID boost or whatever, uh, the Steelers at 13 bucks, um, I actually think seem pretty mis mis uh, misevaluated here to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's a really low salary for the Steelers who still have TJ Watt. Uh, TJ Watt is like legitimately won uh, games for the Steelers, like basically by himself this year. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's offensive line is is probably played above its head for the most part this year. But um, I still think Ryan Tannehill has had a couple games where he's made a ton of mistakes, stacked mistakes. This looks like a good game to bet on that. It's in Pittsburgh, too. Um, I just think the Steelers are, are way too cheap. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't even have anything to do with fantasy but uh, or or this pick directly. But like when, when you're so caught up in in dfs and and fantasy i don't know if this happens to you but sometimes like you just don't realize a team's record because of how you perceive them fantasy and to me pittsburgh is like a three-win team but they're actually 500 somehow yeah oh well i mean i i don't particularly like the steelers um i mean they're they're not like Obviously, I would love somebody, you know, look, we we all know what the deal with the Steelers are, right? Like everybody wants Ben Rothberg around. They're boring to watch, blah, blah, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah. But I've said this all year, like the Steelers are a good team. People hate it, but they're, yeah. they're, they're a good team because like they'll drag you down into the muck and like kick right. your ass down there. Like that's exactly they're they're that type of team. And that wins games. They're probably going to go to the playoffs. So like people should just get yeah. used to it. No, I'm I'm not even like anti Steelers or anything, but just from like it just they just feel like a team that shouldn't be good, and they and it, a lot of it has to do like their defense just keeps it around. They keep the game slow, so yeah, Steelers at at thirteen. I'm I'm into it. And Ryan Tannehill is six in terms of sack rate among quarterbacks behind mm-hmm. such luminaries as Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Zach <laughs> Wilson, and uh, Russell Wilson. Some of these guys haven't even played a full season, so I mean, yeah, there's a That's, lot of sacks to be had. I think we should start calling more quarterbacks luminaries. I like that. Big, big fan of Luminary. Big fan. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk flex plays. And we got another uh, post-urban bump here <laughs> for yeah, your flex I, pick. And this one is um, is very off the board, but I think it has a ton of uh, tournament winning upside. Marvin Jones at $14. already mentioned James Robinson is going to be uh, the mega chalk, probably the most popular running back on the slate. The, the narrative here is that Urban Meyer out, James Robinson up free James Robinson. And that's fine. Uh, but one thing that is very important here is that we're going to have Daryl Bevel in full control. Now, I know Daryl Bevel has been the offensive coordinator all season. How much control he's had of how the offense is actually uh, played 
Uh, we, we're not sure because obviously Urban Meyer is uh, very much likely to be in control of things like that. I but, mean, I don't know. I don't. What, maybe not. Urban Meyer may, seems like he's not been he's doing, not much, a, he's, doing much anything. He's also not a micromanager. So, who, so what? Not a micromanager. Uh, doesn't not, know who's yeah. playing on defense. So, wouldn't really. Uh, the, the the point is Daryl Bevel. One thing that I do like about him as a play caller is he's historically uh, been one of the coaches that calls deep balls at one of the highest rates. In the league, we haven't seen Jacksonville use a lot of those plays and definitely not connect on a lot of those plays. But uh, we saw Bevel as a player that unlocked Stafford a few years ago in Detroit before Stafford had uh, the injury that that eight game season where he was just tearing it up uh, in terms of efficiency. A lot of that had to do with the deep ball. Uh, Marvin Jones, obviously their best deep ball option. And there's suddenly like this this clamoring for Laquan Treadwell as a good DFS option, which is just good God. Uh, just, just ridiculous to me but really the the biggest point of marvin jones even though i say all that about daryl bevel like i don't think he just comes in and changes things overnight but it's just such a huge leverage opportunity in a spot where i do think that the jaguar obviously they are favorites uh first time since week one like i mentioned jaguars can have a very good offensive game against this houston texans team in addition to all of the the um things that they've allowed to running backs also, second highest completion percentage on those deep balls, the most yards per attempt on deep balls, passes of 20 or more yards. So there is a chance that we see Trevor Lawrence rip, uh, let it rip a little bit, and I think Marvin Jones would be the big beneficiary in that scenario. Did you see uh, Daryl Bevel's uh, press conference when the reporters asked, like said to him, <laughs> you know, you could you could have like more wins than Urban by the time the season's over because like they play the <laughs> Jets and the Texans to end the season, and and he just. Daryl yeah. Bevel just smiled and it was like, that says it. That just says yeah. it all. That says it all. Anyways, uh, Devontae Parker at 17 bucks, I think is interesting. We've kind of alluded to it this whole podcast, but like um, getting that bump up here, uh, it again, not quite the same ideal gorgeous fit as Jalen Waddle is, but a potential volume boost. I kind of like Devontae Parker at 17 bucks before the Jalen Waddle news yeah, anyways. I was third in routes run among that team uh, before the last time we saw them uh, behind Jalen Waddle and fake tight end Mike Gusecki, uh, but has the, the highest A dot on the team uh, among those three as well. So I think we could get a couple big plays here against the Jets. Yeah, he saw five targets coming off injury um, in week 13, only played 71% of the snaps. That should be closer to 100% this week with Waddle out. And a lot of people probably don't remember. I mean, it, it was somewhat injury related, but we did see Parker get a really big bump in targets last year once Tua took over uh, for Fitzpatrick. So, I mean, I, I think that um, I, I think Parker can be, you know, a 25% target share guy this week. Yeah, why not? I mean, he's a good player. I don't not the biggest Parker fan, but he's, a, he's fine. He's whatever. Yeah, All right, let's we've talk. Seen him got a lot of volume. Yes, we have. Let's talk fades here. Uh, and I think we both got some obvious ones. You've got Zeke. Yeah. Tell us why. Because he can't run. Yeah, and I, and it, it seems obvious if we've been watching the Cowboys the last few weeks. But we mentioned how bad of a running back slate this is. Dallas is a huge favorite. I think Zeke can just like accidentally become a popular player because there's so few options like i i could yeah. i could foresee zeke getting in like 15 to 20 percent of baller lineups but the, the thing that i said <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was on i don't know if it was on this pod or a different one show last week but going into the week with tony pollard likely out last week 
the thing I was concerned about is that I, I thought that there was a way that Dallas was going to find a, a, a option to spell Zeke. Like I just didn't see a scenario where he was on the field for 100% of snaps. I thought maybe it was through more empty sets and a higher passing rate. We just saw it be with the next running back up. And yeah. I don't see any reason that that doesn't continue to happen. I, there's just no way that Zeke is going to play anywhere close to like 80, 90% of snaps. Yeah, it's just really not in the cards. I agree with you on that one. Um, also not in the cards. Me playing Debo Samuel at 32 bucks. Mm. Not going to happen. I mean, I, you can't. 34, you can't. I sorry, mean, sorry, 34. Because Devontae Adams is 32 among wide receivers. Uh, and then, yeah, so he's the third He's third priced guy, Devontae Adams. Debo Samuel's 34. No, I mean, dude, his, he's a distant distant third behind uh, George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and waited opportunity per game uh, since week 11. I mean, these guys, this sounds, this sounds crazy because of what we've seen from Debo this year and for how much of a target hog he was early. But at this point, the way they're using him, like the, the question I I would post to somebody that would want to play him right now is, would you play Cordero Patterson at $34? Because they're basically being used like in the same way. Weird. I mean, it's weird though because he still takes most of his like a vast majority of his snaps, thirty plus snaps out wide at wide receiver and like sure. nine ten in the backfield. But like he's just not. They're not throwing him the ball. And, right. and I, and I mean, conceivably it could it could like flip at any moment. And like because we've seen that at times. Like, oh, Ayuk will get five targets yeah. and Debo will get eight, and or or Kittle will get three, which would be a travesty. But I mean, that's possible. But like. The reality with Debo right now is if he doesn't get you a rushing touchdown, you're banged. Yeah, and I mean, we saw that game a few weeks ago where Kittle had like that those three targets, whatever, but Kittle is just such a force right now that I think he is the... I think he is their focus in terms of taking advantage of matchups. Like a tight end like Kittle is just such an insane mismatch for any defense that, you know, even the worst of coaches are going to take advantage of that. And then we see it like, you know, the Wallers, Kittles, Andrews, Kelsey's of the world, the best, the worst coaching regimes know, like that is the best matchup on the field when you have a player like that. So I think they're just going to keep focusing their past game on Kittle. 100%. All right, TJ, if the people found this from the Yahoo Fantasy Football forecast feed, tell them all about DFS MVP. They're going to need it this week. (laughs) Yeah, and if if you need those last-minute updates with all of the craziness in Week 15, you could check out the GPP Last Look show on the 4 for 4 only Discord. Uh, That is on Sunday morning. Just get signed up for that by signing up for 4 for 4 We do a cash game review every Monday on our YouTube channel channel and uh, you could check all those out on the dfs mvp feed and of course if you found this via the dfs mvp feed uh check out the yahoo fantasy football forecast i will be back on sunday night on that feed with a recap of the games uh with liz loza it's gonna be a weird week so you'll need that recap to to figure it all out i i hope we can help you there in the meantime i'm matt Harmon underscore byb on twitter that's at tj hernandez check us out on twitter the whole group at yahoo fantasy good luck people good luck out there this week